0: What are you searching for? So what are you searching for? Let's pray. God, I give you thanks and praise for this uh, moment and this day. Would you use this message to speak both comfort and insight into the lives of those who are listening? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, you're catching us at the very end of a series that I've entitled, What Are You Searching For? And we've talked about some of the yearnings that all of us have. the Yearnings for love and for connection and purpose and peace. And if you've missed that series, just feel free to go to our website and engage that series. uh, Engage those teachings. Now, today, I want to talk about and end this series on something that we're all yearning for. And it's what I'm going to call everlasting life. Here's the deal. God made us all to live forever. And sin and ultimately death disrupts that so even in your experience whether you believe or not you, you know that you want to live as long as you can live right well that's that yearning for what I ultimately call everlasting life life on the other side of death so what does our faith as Jesus followers tell us about this notion of everlasting life can we have it all right, let's dig in then to this teaching. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 It's talking about the work that Jesus has done to assure us of this thing called everlasting life. Here's what the writer says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, that's Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Watch this. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now, this text says that Jesus has broken the power that is upon all of our lives that in its own way enslaves us with this fear of death. Or to put it another way, the, the, the limitations that death imposes upon our living has real practical influence often on how we live our lives so let me start here I want to acknowledge just a couple of things first I want to acknowledge that I realize that I'm teaching this message uh, in a context where more than 3,000 people a day are dying here in America of COVID-19 not to mention all the other ways that we're losing loved ones to death and of course across the world and I, my prayer and hope for you uh, is that as you listen to this teaching, that you'll find not just insight, but comfort. A number of you, uh, I've had an opportunity who are connected to NBCC to actually talk with and pray with and, uh, and to care for. And so has our entire team. So I'm just taking a moment just to let you know I'm thinking about you. And I really do pray that the good news of the gospel will make a difference in your life. A second thing I want to point out is that I think there's a real paradigm shift, at least in how we think about death in this particular season. Because so many people are dying all around us, and the news is capturing it daily. Uh, We're very cognizant of death. You know, I've often said that most of us live our lives as though life is certain and death is uncertain. But the fact is, today, we're pretty much tapped into the reverse, which is really true, which is this. Life is uncertain. Death is certain. Even our high schoolers and, and some of our middle schoolers, we're all aware of people dying around us. And so it raises some real questions. Here's the basic question. Do you have hope in the face of death? Do you have hope in the face of death? Now, there are three practical reasons why I want you to wrestle with this question. I don't want you to wrestle with it. It's not about wrestling in a morbid morbid sense. Just really practical reasons. The first is we're all going to die. No, I think it was Dr. Martin Luther King who said that there's something strangely democratic about death. The most powerful president and the poorest peasants that we all die. Second, so we ought to know. Do we have hope in the face of that? Secondly, comes from this text, right? Comes back from the scripture that we read uh, there in Hebrews where, uh, where the writer is talking about the fact that that the work that Jesus did ultimately set us free from the fear of death. The implications here is, is simply this, that, that if I can live a life free from death, I can actually live my best life. And I don't mean by that live an irresponsible, thoughtless life. I mean by that to live a life full of courage and faithfulness because I'm free from death. The third practical the reason why we need to wrestle this question, do I have a hope in the face of death, is because if it's actually true that there is life everlasting, then what that means is that death, which is the ultimate expression of injustice, it's the ultimate expression of evil. It is the ultimate expression of, of the, the, the fullest extent of sin. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If it is true that life wins out over death, then that means that injustice and evil and all of the implications of human sin ultimately will be overruled and overturned. And that means that we are able to to, to live and work in the world, working for justice and working for victory over evil with a confidence that in our faith, that in the one that we know is Jesus, it's doable. Because at the end of the day, it's not that we're so strong. It's that the victory is in him. So do you have hope in the face of death. That's what I want to wrestle with. Now, as you think about that, let me just point a couple of resources out that I think will be helpful. One is a book here called uh, Imagine Heaven, written by John Burks. It's a book that covers thousands of near-death experiences across different cultures and different faiths. John Burks himself is a Christian, and he looks at this and how Scripture gives us glimpses into this life eternal, right? That is, for us, centered around the victory that Jesus secures. It's a great book. You should read it. The other are two movies that you probably have heard about. One is simply called Miracles uh, from Heaven. It's about a young girl who ends up falling 30 feet to the trunk of a a tree, has a near-death experience, and in it she has an encounter with where Jesus comes back healed. It's a great story. The other one is uh, Heaven is for Real, a similar story about a young boy. And so I commend those for you to check out on your own. But ultimately, guys, from my perspective, the, the best proof in the universe that there is a such thing as life everlasting or life after death, well, It's found in the resurrection of Jesus. The greatest proof is the resurrection of Jesus. Now, here's what history tells us. One, history tells us that Jesus lived. Two, history confirms that he was crucified. Three, history confirms that the tomb that he was buried in came up empty. And four, history confirms that the folk who were following him, that little band of folk who were following him by the time he was crucified, uh, at one point were hidden away for fear of their life. And then in the next moment, they break through those doors. They're no longer afraid of being crucified, of being thrown the lines, of being burned at the stake. They're no longer afraid of death. And while history can't answer exactly what that transition was, historians will say something incredible had to happen but those testimonies lived and they shared their those witnesses got to write their own testimony and we find that testimony in scripture the apostle Paul uh, is one who of the folk who renders his testimony and and shares about some of these early believers as it relates to, you know, did Jesus conquer death? Is he the resurrected one? Here's what the apostle Paul writes. He, speaking of Jesus, was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures testify. But then he goes on and says beyond that, listen, he says he was seen, somebody shout seen, by Peter and then by the twelve. And that, He was seen, shout seen, by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, meaning at the point that Paul was writing, though some have died. And then he goes on to say, Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. But here's the kicker. At the end of the day, Paul's going to say, Let me tell you my testimony. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. I am the least of all the apostles. This is important what he's about to say now. He's about to say, in fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Why is that, Paul? Because I persecuted God's church. Here's what Paul is saying. I was, I, was, I was the greatest unbeliever of all, Paul would say. Because when I heard that uh, the Jewish believers were talking about Jesus was the Son of God and that he had been crucified and was raised from the dead, I started arresting them and killing them. That's what he meant by I persecuted them. But something happened. History will, will bear this out that turned a radical, radical persecutor of Christians into one of the greatest preachers of the Christian church that the history, the world would ever know. Paul says I'll tell you what happened. I met him! He, he shares his own testimony a couple of times throughout uh, his writings in the New Testament. He says look I met him. I saw him. He called me to this work. He lives. He's broken the power of death, and I committed my life to serve him. Well, as in the case of Paul, I can't say that I've ever seen the resurrected Lord. But I can say I heard him. Listen, those of you who are in high school and middle school, I just want to take a moment and point out here that uh, I, I made a commitment to follow Jesus when I was in eighth grade. A very serious commitment even though I grew up in the Christian home and all that but to turn my life over to him and follow him and my high school years especially the ninth and 10th grade I, I kicked it up a couple of notches I started to dialogue and to seek His face to try to figure out what is his voice like when he talks to me to try to discern how do i know that he's leading me and i got really serious about trying to figure out how to engage and be a jesus follower not that i was perfect not that i was i still messed up and got in trouble and all of that but over my high school years he literally changed my life from being a kid that got in tons of trouble to put me on a path to become the leader that I am today. He wants to do that for you guys. There's a wonderful scripture. He says, suffer the, the kids to come unto me. He, he wants a relationship with you now. So I'm just wondering, guys, are, are you spending any time in prayer? Are you trying to figure out what it looks like for Jesus to be active in your life? Are you trying to figure out how do you know he's talking to you? He's not talking to you. Now is the time to develop that relationship now let me just move on towards the end of my college year I had met my wife Rhonda and we'd fallen in love and we dated for a semester and she got on a bus and came back to California and the Lord started to to get my attention I'll just put it like that and so ultimately I concluded that maybe he's trying to get my attention about preaching and I it was it was New Year's Eve 1985 I was in a time of prayer and actually 12 midnight i remember going to sleep praying, asking god if you if you're calling me to preach you got to make it clear i said and he woke me up i could hear like a tape recorder playing in my in my brain acts 1 8 after the you will after the holy spirit has come upon you you will be my witness in jerusalem judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth and he woke me up. I thought I was dreaming of something. Went back to sleep. The same experience happened again. I shook it off, went back to sleep. And the third time he woke me up. And those of you who are part of the Pentecostal tradition, you get this. I woke up literally preaching, proclaiming Jesus in tongues. Just like I'm fifth grade, fifth gear in the pulpit. Or on the stage. And ever since then, my total life trajectory has changed. And I have spent the last 30 years proclaiming to people what I know. That the one who was crucified on Calvary's Hill. Who died and went into the grave. That he conquered death. That he lives. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus forgives. That Jesus is the, is the ultimate expression of a God who loves you beyond our ability to fully comprehend. That he can be true. Trusted in life and in death, and yes, here 's a guarantee of life everlasting i 've preached it on sunday mornings i 've proclaimed it in in funeral homes and memorials I have held on to it uh, and proclaimed it as I have lost my grandaunt and my granduncle and my firstborn child that what continues to give me hope. In the face of death is what I know to be true. That Jesus is the resurrected one. And in my life, he's the resurrected Lord. What about yours? Can I take you back to something that I talked about last week? If you were with us last week, you'll remember John 16. Jesus, just prior to his crucifixion, says something that I find to be just fascinating. I just want to go back to it a little bit. He's he's this last conversation he's having with his disciples. And he says this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in your money. Oh, no, I read that wrong. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in your talent. No, no, no. He didn't say that. Sorry. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in your power. No. He says, I've told you all of this in his teachings before about about who he is and and, and all that comes with knowing him. So that you may have peace in, Jesus says, "in, in me, in him. And then, for those of you who think that Christianity is impractical and it's kind of like hid in the stars and that and that and that and that, and that the uh, you know <laughs> it's it, you know the, the Jesus can't be trusted to be realistic, well come on here's what he says: here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, and the word can be translated tribulations and tragedies and 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 pains he says though but take heart if your faith is in me the the one who will be because he hasn't been crucified yet he has not been resurrected yet uh, but 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 take heart here is good news in the face of bad news in the face of COVID-19 in the face of a pandemic in the face of losing loved ones I've got some good news be of good courage heart attacks and strokes and car accidents be of good courage because I have overcome all of the brokenness of the world well what does that mean Jesus he said just stick around give me three days and they watch his death they hide then comes his resurrection and they begin to figure out what it means when he says I've overcome now last week I talked to you guys about the path of peace and 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 here's the deal that if we fully know who Jesus is, we've got peace. We can have peace. Now, I, I suggest that it's not automatic. We've got to do a, a little work, but it is our faith in Jesus that helps us to get it to do the work, right? I told you face, uh, that part of the path to peace means facing your fear. That, that if you know who Jesus is, you can start to face your fear. Why? Because he is the ultimate overcome. I told you that uh, you need to be able to surrender your worry. If you can fix it, fix it. If you can change something, change something. But if it's beyond your control, surrender it to jesus why because he's the ultimate overcomer i told you that you had to find the strength and the courage to work through your pain cry it out weep it out talk it out process it out well where do i find that strength that i said it's in in jesus because because he has ultimately overcome he will give you the strength to come out how does that work well i told you about well it it means you got to come to a point of acceptance right accept the unacceptable can't we all agree today that death itself and every expression is just unacceptable? It, 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 it always comes as a thief in the night, right? Even if we're expecting it. But, but the death always comes with its own brand of horror. It, it always comes with pain and tragedy and, and all of that. It's, it's, it, it's tragic in and of itself. It's, it's the unacceptable. Then I, it's the ultimate expression of injustice and evil in the world it's unacceptable yet we know that in order for us to work through horrendous grief and to move forward with our life we have to come to a place of accepting the unacceptable how does one accept the unacceptable And, and 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 as a jesus follower i tell you that that as someone who has has had to work through this with the loss of my grandon and the loss of my birth mom and the loss of my granduncle and the loss of my 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 biological father who I had only gotten to know for just a little short while and 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 and, 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 and loss after loss through my life. I tell you, how I've been able to accept the unacceptable because I've concluded that the unacceptable is temporary. That the unacceptable will not have the last word, because i 've put my trust in the victory of Jesus, Can somebody shout the victory of Jesus, the victory that he won on the cross look here 's how it looks if we if we look at luke twenty three here here 's here's, here's how it looks Jesus is, is on the cross and and, and the text says he, he he shouts out, "Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. you know as I think about this, I think about uh, one of my favorite Christmas shows. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, and there's a, th- an interesting scene in that as, uh, uh, as, the, as the, uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart, who's the star, uh, <laughs> he, 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 he was ready to just throw away his life, commit suicide. And of course, the angel comes, and if you know anything about the, the Christmas show, uh, it, co- he, it comes and, and shows him, here's what the world would look like if you hadn't shown up. And there's a wonderful scene in there where his brother, Harry, is sliding down this uh, snowy slope, slides onto this frozen lake. The lake breaks and cracks. Harry goes uh, under the water, freezing water. And the character that Jimmy Stewart plays, which is his older brother, goes and jumps into the freezing water, submerges himself in order to get Harry out. He had to jump in to get Harry out course the storyline goes on that he he carries with him uh, a, a, a wounded ear he can't hear in his right ear because he lost his hearing because of that and that loss of his hearing is is in a is is a remarkable uh sign of the price he was willing to pay to rescue his brother well, I just want you to think when you're reading this text about Jesus dying on the Cambridge cross for your sin and my sin. I mean, facing real death. No, 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 no theatrical stuff here, right? And the text says uh, he he declares, "Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands." And with those words, he breathed his last. That's Jesus jumping into the abyss of death and submerges himself because he loves you just that much and me and your loved one and my loved one so much that he is willing to take on death itself so that at the end of the day the unacceptable is temporary <laughs> of course if you were his disciples on that in that context the resounding silence and darkness and pain would have been thick. You know, here's what John tells us where the disciples find themselves a few days later. He says, Sunday evening, the disciples are meeting behind locked doors. They're scared to death. They have Our hope has been killed. Our Savior has been killed. Uh, we don't even know that there is a that there, that there is such thing as a God because we had put all of our trust in this one who said he was the Son of God. And he's dead. And they're coming after us. What about our kids? They're scared to death. And in the middle of that fear, that takes us, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. The one who was dead suddenly standing there among them. I mean, could you imagine being in that room and suddenly he's there? I'm sure the first reaction is fear and fright of a different type. And then they recognize, no, it's him. And the first words he says, peace be with you. Can somebody say peace? Oh my God it is it is jesus who gives us ultimate peace in the face of death because in this moment they realize what he meant when he says i have overcome the world that 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 brokenness evil injustice and sin at its worst come on now is 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 embodied in death at its best and i just stripped death of its power that's what the writer of hebrew means when he says he 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 became like us and so that when he died he would strip satan and who represents the source and the symbol of evil at its worst and death itself of its power and set all of us free from being enslaved by the fear of death he says i've just done it and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. You know, I love this because in 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 uh, it's a wonderful life jimmy stewart's character uh for the rest of his life he he has a he has he's death in one ear as a reminder of the price that he paid to save his brothers his brother and and jesus carries into eternity wounds that are in his hands and wounds that are in his feet as a reminder of the price that he paid to save you and to save me and to save our loved ones from death itself and from the power of sin and evil and injustice at their worst, Is there life after death? Jesus is the best proof. Yes! Can I have everlasting life? Are you willing to put your faith in the one who has overcome death itself? Let him be your hope in the face of death. You know, I mentioned uh, uh, Miracles from Heaven. And that is a, a movie based on a true story of a young girl uh, who between 2008 and 2012 had two abdominal uh, diseases that literally became terminal. And uh, uh, her name is Annie and here's a picture of her today. And when, when the story reaches its imp- apex, she's actually nine years old. And uh, she's been back and forth, back and forth. Her parents have taken her from Texas to, to the Children's Hospital in Boston. And ultimately, the doctor says, there's nothing we can do for her. And she spent almost 24 hours a day in horrendous pain. She couldn't eat and digest her food. She'd be fed by a feeding tube and all of that. And the story goes that she ends up getting up in a tree one evening with her uh, older sister and, and uh, the, 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 she falls through the center of the tree 30 feet head first down and hits the trunk. It takes them five hours to get her out. And they're just sure that she's going to be dead or totally messed up. Miraculously, she only has a slight concussion. And when she comes to, she tells this story and in that, in, that, in that five hours, she said, look, I left. I went to heaven. She saw grandmothers. grandmother. She said, this is really great. For me. I think about those of you who've lost loved ones. And I had a pastor who, who often would say in, in sermons that he remember jumping on a plane. And he was one of these people that was uh, a fellow passenger. As, as they jumped on, the, got on the plane, the people... That they were departing was just crying and weeping because they were saying goodbye. But then when they landed in the other city, he was walking behind the same pastor, and the same pastor that came off, my goodness, he says there was a whole nother crew waiting. They were shouting, they were celebrating. I, I just thought I shared the story because she, when she got to heaven, she, 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 she saw her grandmother and some of the other beloved folk were there, but ultimately she saw Jesus the text says that she said jesus it's so painful back on earth can i stay and and he says no i've got more work for you to do the plan i have for you on earth you can't get it done on but here's what i'm gonna do for you when you go back i'm gonna heal you of your terminal stuff and ultimately she's healed so this is her today here's another picture of her family her and her family it's pretty remarkable her mom right here she says i lost my faith because I didn't how could there be a God who would allow my daughter to suffer the way that she was suffering from five years old or day in and day out. She said, I couldn't believe she even stopped going to church, she said. Some of you can relate to this. And every now and then, God gives us an anti-miracle to remind us that that yes, the the stories of Scripture is true, that yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. and, And while life is full of its mystery, at the end of the day, he will have the last word. But there's a fascinating part of this story that's actually not in the book that, that is actually in the movie. Annie here, when she goes to the hospital, there's a little girl. Who's, she's struggling with her disease. There's a girl next to her. Her name is Haley. And Haley is also terminally ill. And uh, Annie has a cross around, and they, they become good friends. They share the same room. And Haley asked her, what's that cross that you have around your neck? And Annie says, well, this cross is reminded that Jesus loves me. And he's always with me. They became close friends. On the day that Haley was released to go home, Annie gave her the cross. And Haley went home with that cross. The parents were a little upset. They thought Annie was trying to impose her faith in religion. But nevertheless, Haley went home with the cross. A few months later, Haley dies. And he is miraculously cured. And his mom is giving a testimony in a church service. She's talking about how she lost her faith, but here was her healed daughter. One guy got up and disrupted the service and said, I don't believe that. And then there was a guy in the corner who stood up and said, I believe. And then he said this. He says, the reason I believe... He said, he said, I don't understand why Annie lived and my daughter died. He said, but here's what I know. That when my daughter died, she died with such peace because she put her trust in the one that Annie told her about. I could just see the daughter dying, if you will, with that cross in her hands, and and all of the implication of an empty cross that 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 reminds us that 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 if we if we put our let me say it like this that that at the end of the day that 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 Haley made the decision that she was going to put her ultimate trust not in treatments and not ultimately in doctors because they had done all they could do that she was going to put her ultimate trust in Jesus and what the dad said is what transformed him was how she died with such peace because she knew that the resurrection of Jesus turned death from a period at the end of the sentence of life into a transition into the fullness of life. So here's the question for you. You've got to decide where you're going to place your ultimate trust. Right? And here's just a couple of really quick insights for you. Look, for believers. We shouldn't fear not being good enough because remember the wounds that is in Jesus' hands, the, the wound that's in his side that he has carried into eternity as a resurrected one are reminders of the price that he paid, the atonement that he made, the, the sacrifice of his life as the writer in Hebrews will say a few verses later that he poured out to set us free from, from our own sin. To, to build. Forgiveness is, is, is based upon what he's done. And so... You shouldn't be afraid of not being good enough. Jesus says, My righteousness is good enough to cover your life. (laughs) And therefore, believers should not be afraid to face death. Because if we die like Haley, where I trust in Jesus, we die with a peace that says, Life everlasting awaits us and those that we love as we put our trust in Him. Let me end here. Here's one of my favorites. We think about revelations. Here's one of the ways that I like to, to just reflect. You remember what I said. As Jesus overcomes death, that means that He is the ultimate overcomer. He, he, he's the proof that injustice and evil will ultimately be overturned. And here's what the writer of Revelation, here's how he describes it. He says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He's talking about a wonderful day to come. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone Forever, he says, and the one sitting on the throne says, "Look, I'm making everything new." He's he's in the process of of redeeming a broken world, every broken cancerous cell, every every messed up atom, right? Uh, Every horrible tragic event. Come on, Uh, every expression of injustice that we read about in the news. He says, "Oh, I'm at work making everything new." here's a a quote uh, that I love and I'm finished I I did not see The Lord of the Rings I should see it Uh, I hear it's an amazing classic but there's Tim Keller preacher always quotes this scene that takes place obviously after I don't know who Sam is or Gaddafi is but obviously after their death uh, uh, they begin to, to discover life again and this quote happens and, and and here's what here's what they say, Sam says, and I love it. He says, I thought you were dead. But then Sam says, I thought I was dead. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Oh my God. I love this quote. I think about Haley who died that I just told you about the cancer. I can imagine her waking up in the presence of Jesus saying, and, and, and seeing other loved ones and saying, I thought you were dead, and then saying, but then I thought I was there, And then asking, does this mean that everything sad is going to come untrue? And the one who has gained victory over death itself shouted with a resounding, yes! All of the horror, all of the evil, I've overcome. Yes. Ultimately, one day, because of what Jesus has accomplished, everything sad is going to come untrue. That's my faith. That's what I know in Jesus. Can you say amen and amen? Praise God. Now let me just take a moment and just invite you to put your ultimate trust where mine is. There's a connection card that's showing up on the screen. It's also, it's in the app. It's also on the website. And uh, in the connection card there are some next steps. And here's the deal. Here's the decision I made at 8th grade, in the 8th grade. I decided to commit the total life that I had to Jesus and to follow Jesus. You know what? When you, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, it means I'm going to follow him all the way through this temporal life. I'm going to follow him all the way through the grave. And I'm going to follow him out on the other side into eternity. Have you made that commitment? I'm not going to worry about my sins and my mistakes. He's covered that on Calvary's cross. Today, the last Sunday of the year, you are to give him your life to say, I'm going to trust Jesus or for somebody it means I once was a follower of Jesus today I want to recommit or maybe you just want more information can you make that decision right now some of you watching you may say well you you can't find a connection card can you just raise your hand and say I'm going to follow Jesus and then next steps a wonderful commitment for those of you who believe you can recommit right now for those of you who who have not yet believed this is your moment to do it i will trust jesus with my life and my eternity starting now if that's you just raise your hand. check yes on the connection card because we would love to follow it with you especially if you're doing it just for the very first time I'd love to follow it with you and lastly here's a reflection question as we bring this year to an end How does the resurrection of Jesus help you as it helps me face death? I'll see you next week, which means I'll see you next year. Lord willing, in Jesus' name. I can't thank you enough for engaging with our worship gathering and teaching. I pray that both today's message and, as a matter of fact, the series, What Are You Searching For?, has been impactful in your life. If so, would you consider sharing it with your family and friends far near? It's a wonderful way to position yourself for a brand new year. Speaking of next year, be back here next week. I'm kicking off a brand new series I'm super excited about that's going to help you to figure out how to reset your life with fresh beginnings in a brand new year. So don't miss it. Now, if you want to know when we go live in terms of our worship, uh, both on our Facebook page and inside of our Facebook app, there's a notification bell. Make sure you push that.